Hi, this is Dave Summers, and welcome to AMA Edgewise. Chip Conley is a New York Times bestselling author, hospitality entrepreneur, and leader at the forefront of the sharing economy. At 26, he founded Joie de Vivre Hospitality and turned into the second largest boutique hotel brand in the U.S. Chip is now strategic advisor for hospitality and leadership at Airbnb. He is the recipient of hospitality's highest honor, the Pioneer Award, and we're going to be speaking about his brand new book, Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder. Chip, great book. Welcome to AMA Edgewise. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. What's the Chip Connolly definition of the term modern elder? When I first suggested to my publisher that this is going to be in the subtitle of the book, they said, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> Who wants to be an elder? Exactly. It sounds a little bit too much like elderly. Well, here's my premise. I think the traditional elder of the past was regarded with reverence, no doubt. But frankly, in this country, in the U.S., we haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. I think the modern elder is appreciated for their relevance and how they, they use timeless wisdom but apply it to modern-day problems. Yeah. And so a modern elder is as much an intern as they are a mentor. And the premise there is that the world is changing faster than ever before. So if you're just purely using old wisdom and applying it, you may not actually understand the framing of some of the issues that you're having to deal with. So I think someone in their midlife or beyond, so 45 to 65 or even later, could be in a position where their role is to be both the wise sage but also be the curious soul at the mm -hmm. same time. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself at Airbnb five and a half years ago as a longtime hospitality executive, but I didn't know a darn thing about technology. Mm -hmm. So I had to be the beginner's mind when it came to technology as well as the wise soul when it came to leadership. Mm -hmm. It's neat. Do you know who Kevin Kelly is? Yeah, I know him well. Oh, my God. I ridiculous fanboy of Kevin Kelly and in his book What Technology Wants yeah. it's it's neat it's all about technology and how technology's relationship with the human race but some of the most compelling stuff for me in that book has to do with things like the single best invention of the human race is grandparents yes you know what i mean because grandparents like changed the game well, you what, know when you think about animal species and stuff exactly. like that exactly and one of the things that people don't know is there's an element of how grandparents have helped the species and, and young ones actually become old ones, be, especially in species where there's danger around right, the corner. Exactly. You know, the question we have to ask ourselves in modern world culture is, do we have the similar in the working world? Yeah. And I think we do. And this is the premise that's really that defines wisdom at work. If power is cascading to the young faster than ever before because of our increasing reliance on digital intelligence or mm -hmm. DQ... We're expecting these young digital leaders to somehow miraculously embody the relationship wisdoms. We're expecting them to be superhuman. We are. You know? I mean, I mean to, to do all of that stuff and yet be a spokesperson, be a wisdom, take the long view. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's an awful lot to carry. So matching that 27-year-old yeah. who's just created a brilliant technology that's gone global with someone 20 or 30 years their senior mm -hmm. who can actually help them. In my case, it was Brian Chesky who started Airbnb with his right. co-founders at age 26. And I showed up at age 31 for him, and I was 52. And mm -hmm. my role was to help him to be the best leader he could be. So I was sort of an in-house mentor for him. So I just think that, you know, Travis at Uber might still have his job if he had a modern elder yeah. by his side. Let the record show you said that first. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's an interesting story, though. It's a story that many, many people 
with an opinion about business, particularly about where high tech and the internet economy is going, will have an opinion on. So yeah. it's interesting that you, you should. Well, bring I think that up. I, you know. It's hard enough for a young person to run a small business down the corner if they've never actually worked in a business themselves. And that's what happens often is that there's a young technology, a young technologist who has a great idea and it goes global. And so I just think the idea of us creating sort of almost a generational compact here Mm -hmm. where – the young people bring the DQ, the digital intelligence, and the older people bring the EQ, the emotional intelligence, is I think the future. Is what you describe in the book as the mentorn, M-E-N-T-E-R-N, the mentorn, half mentor, half intern? Is it here to stay or is it kind of like flavor of the month? I think it's here to stay predominantly because of two reasons. Number one is we're all living older. So we're living older and in many cases we're going to actually work longer. So there are a lot of people who are going to work much longer than the traditional retirement age of 65. So we have a supply of people with experience and wisdom. And then we have a growing reliance or a growing, you know, sort of power base moving to young people. Mm-hmm. So it's strange. So it's at the extremes. Mm-hmm. So you have 25-year-olds and maybe 65-year-olds mm-hmm. working together in a way that we've never done before. In fact, in the past, at 65 and a 25-year-old might have been an apprentice that, right. as the 25-year-old with the wise CEO at, of 65. Sure. And it might be the opposite. We saw the movie The Intern uh, right. a couple of years ago yeah. with Robert De Niro. Yeah. The difference between me and Robert De Niro in terms of the movie is he started as the intern to Anne Hathaway, the young CEO. Sure. In fact, I started as the mentor to Brian, and I also reported to him as the head of global hospitality and strategy at Airbnb. But I sort of was the mentor who became an intern. Sure. And De Niro was the intern who became a bit of a mentor to Anne Hathaway in her role. So I actually don't think this is going away. I think that the idea that we're going to continue to age and we're going to continue to maybe stay in the workplace longer. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there's going to be a supply of people with some wisdom and experience who could actually help support the younger people with the great technology ideas. Okay, but let's not deny that ageism is a real thing. Oh, for sure. In your experience, what are some common myths or misconceptions about older workers? There are a bunch. You know, chapter nine in my book, Wisdom at Work, is really dedicated to that. It's dedicated to the CEOs and HR professionals in the world and say, hey, we really want to debunk some stereotypes. Let me give you two or three. Number one is that older workers are more expensive. That can be true. If you have someone in the same job for 20 years, same company, they've elevated their salary level. But one of the things that's curious is that there are actually people in their 50s and 60s who would like to continue to work and they don't want to basically have the conveyor belt that takes them to a cliff, which is sort of what happens when someone gets to 65 and you just leave the cold turkey the workplace. So you you could actually have somebody, as I am at Airbnb now, where I'm not working full-time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work full-time. But I have institutional knowledge sure. and wisdom that I can offer. So that means actually I'm cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say I work you know, 40% time and I get sure. paid 40%. That's, sure. that's a deal. So I think that while it is true in some cases that people are more expensive, in a lot of cases it doesn't have to be that way. Another example is that people, as they get older, no longer want to learn. Well, that can be true, Mm -hmm. no doubt. There's a great study by Zenger and Folkman in HBR, Harvard Business Review, about the fact that as you get older, this is particularly true for women, Mm -hmm. you build your confidence. As women especially build their confidence, they are more willing to get feedback. And it becomes this sort of beautiful, virtuous circle of mm-hmm. I've got more confidence, I get more feedback, I get better because of the feedback, and therefore I actually have more confidence because I'm just getting better at what I do. Sure. So what they were able to show is that there's a growth mindset 
with people as they are, especially in their 40s mm-hmm. and into their 50s. Now, I can also say that I know a lot of people in their 50s who feel pretty irrelevant and they don't go on that growth mindset. And in fact, they sort of get stuck. And that I think the number one thing that happens for people when you feel that the world is against you because of your age is you actually start believing the myths yourself. The number one thing you can do to actually get over that is to figure out what's something you're curious about. It doesn't have to have anything to do with your work Mm -hmm. to actually start building an elixir of curiosity. Curiosity really is the ultimate form of creating resilience in the workplace and creating creativity and innovation. So sometimes you could get curious about a subject that has nothing to do with your particular expertise or how you're going to get a job, but it just starts oiling and lubricating your mind a little bit again Mm -hmm. because the number one thing we need to do as we get older is to keep that lifelong learning continuing. It's it's interesting because you waterfalled into my very next question and you, you covered a piece of it here, but I'd be interested in maybe going a little bit deeper in when you sit down with these Okay, fine. People my age. And um, my age, too. Yeah. <laughs> and some of them, you know, claim, I, I, hey, I'm too old to evolve. Yeah. You know what I mean? you got mm-hmm. one whole chapter devoted to <clears throat> evolve. What's, what's your, in addition to what you just said, what's your advice to them? Yeah. Well, there's about 150 people I interviewed for the book and are in the book. So this is not just my story at Airbnb. And what I've come to learn is that if someone says I can't evolve, the question I always ask them is, well, you may find evolution painful, but I bet you'll find irrelevancy even more so. <laughs> <I know. clears throat> and exactly. that's really it. I mean, if we aren't willing to change, we, we've evolved throughout our life. There's a point at which we couldn't walk. There's a point at which we were pre-puberty. There's a point at which we both, you and I both have uh, hair on our face. Uh, I mean, we, it's, and it's we, maybe grayish in color. Yeah, too, it but, is. <laughs> but you know, there was a time when we couldn't actually even grow hair on our face. So yeah. the bottom line is we've evolved. Somehow we think we don't evolve as we get older. We just age. We don't Mm -hmm. evolve. And the truth is we actually do mature. And there's a lot of ways that shows up. But evolution and your ability to evolve has a lot to do with your mindset. And if you can actually shift your mindset, we created something in Mexico, in Baja, called the Modern Elder Academy. And it's a, a social enterprise. So half the people who come are on scholarship. And they come down there and they spend a week there and their whole premise for the week is how do I start to shift my mindset mm-hmm. such that I can actually imagine evolving True. and learning again? Because in the book, there's four key themes. Yes. Evolve is the first lesson. Learn is the second lesson. And then lessons three and four are a lot easier. Collaborate. Right. Because actually, as we get older, we have more emotional intelligence. But you've done all that self stuff on the front That's end. That's right. The front end's the hard part. Yeah. There's no doubt. If you don't do the front end things and you just sort of show up as the fourth lesson, the counselor. Okay, let's go. <laughs> you may sound like someone's parent. I know. Right? But you first have to actually sort of show that you're as curious as you are wise. Excellent advice. In the book, uh, one particular section, you do talk about personality assessment tools or instruments. Which of these do you find value in and and why do you recommend them? Well, I think the value in personality assessment tools has two key elements to it. Number one is on a personal level, you get to understand yourself better. And having that level of self-awareness can maybe allow you to understand how do you show up in the workplace better. But the piece where it's particularly interesting is the combination of people on a team. So when you get a group of people together and they all take the assessment, you can sort of see some of the common challenges between certain types. We did this at Airbnb. We had 
our senior leadership team of 12 people do Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Myers-Briggs is not my favorite, but I do find it to be effective. It, as far as teams are concerned, it can be wonderful. As far as teams are concerned and the quality of the work that's been done around it yeah. to say, how do you use this right. in the business world right. is, is probably yes. the best yes. out there. And so we used it and we found, wow, Brian Chesky, Brian Chesky, the CEO and co-founder, and I have exactly the same personality type, which is part of the reason maybe we actually vibe well together. But Nate, Nate's personality that as another co-founder was the exact opposite of Brian's. Complimentary. They're complimentary. Now they realize that. But up to that point, they'd sort of seen each other on Why different we planets. Why so much? <laughs> yeah. So once you actually understood it and you understand yeah. what are they good at, that helped. Yeah. My favorite personality typing tool is called the Enneagram. The Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Not used as much in business, although actually getting to be more popular in business. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like it so much is because it goes beyond sort of the surface personality type and it actually looks more deeply at what are the roots of why you show up with that personality. And that actually, I think, can be quite valuable. Kind of what got you here yeah. type of thing. Yep. How important is a modern elder's social media presence? You know what? I think social media is a tool that can help you be more relevant and more sort of active out there in the world. I don't think it's essential. Right. What I think is essential is understanding it, meaning when someone says to you Instagram, you could understand what Instagram is about. Sure. But then in terms of you actually participating in Instagram, is it essential? I don't think so. And that's surprising because people say, oh, well, you know, you have to, this is the, these are the new tools. I think LinkedIn as a tool is an essential. And so if we include under social media, LinkedIn, yes, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn because the quality of the networking that goes on there globally is substantially better than anything we had pre-internet. Yes. So I think that's probably the most important one. And I think, you know, you don't have to hide your alma mater year of when you graduate from college. Sure. People will figure out your age. We had a book launch party and I was on stage with a woman who was 25 years younger than me. And the thing she said to me, is she said, when someone's curious and sort of engaged in life, I forget about their age. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important point. Yep. And now in person, I can understand how that happens. But in LinkedIn, how does that happen? So a lot of it has to do with just how you describe what you've done. Sure. And it's not just a laundry list of here's all my skills. Sure. Show some enthusiasm. Show some passion. Show that there's something that you've done along the way that actually tapped into not just your brain but your heart. And when people feel that and see that, they start not looking at your wrinkles as much. <laughs> that's true. And, and, and that's terrific advice. And, and for me personally, hard lessons learned here, there are platforms I'm no longer involved in. A LinkedIn, I'm actively involved in, but you have to see them as tools, and you have to right. you have to engage on them on your own terms. Yeah, you don't. We you don't, can't feel like you're playing somebody else's game. Listen, we are, life is about opportunity right? costs, and if you actually are spending an hour a day on Facebook, that's an hour you're not spending mm-hmm. on something else. And I don't I don't want to say that to beat up on Facebook. I actually, think Facebook groups are quite good. Exactly. It's a great way to actually have a group of people who have a common interest sure. to learn from each other, Community, right. Exactly. So I just think, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. uh, you have to actually make some priorities. One of the qualities of a modern elder is their quality to edit. Right. And I think that we accumulate in the first half of our life. Yeah. Friends, responsibilities, stuff. stuff. <laughs> and the second half of our life is about Prune. learning how yeah, shaping. to shape and distill what's important and edit. Yeah. And so I think editing social media is a, is a key yeah. part of that. Yeah. And you tell the apocryphal Michelangelo story. Of yeah. It's a block of granite. And the, the exercise is removing the stuff 
right. that doesn't look like David. Well, yeah. and let's uh, one thought on that is that a lot of people don't know this, but we know that as we age, our memory and recall, our, our quickness of mind yeah. isn't quite as good as it used to be. But the thing that gets better as you get older is you have all-wheel drive between the left and right brain, which means that you are able to be fluent between left brain and right brain more quickly than you can when you're younger, and it allows you to have an ability for systemic and holistic thinking or getting the gist of something. So one of the great qualities of someone who's older, a modern elder, is the quality of being able to distill down what was most important Mm -hmm. and then actually have the team focus on that. That's excellent. And just to wrap up here, this is a question I ask everybody. Here at the AMA, we pride ourselves on being the go-to resource or the go-to place, the warm campfire that a new manager Mm -hmm. or an aspiring leader, someone who has been a great individual contributor and now has been given a team and a budget and a purpose and a plan and all that other stuff, we like to think we can help these people. What's in this book for a new manager or an aspiring leader? Yeah, this book is Wisdom at Work is not just for people in their midlife and later. The number one piece of advice I'd give to a new manager is the following. It's a question. It's a question you can ask anybody who works for you. How can I support you to do the best work of your life at and fill in the blank in terms of the company or organization you're in? Why do I like that question? How can I support you to do the best work of your life here? Well, the first part of that question says, I'm here to support you. And this is sort of like servant leadership. So learning that as the boss, you're there to actually support your people to do great work. And having them know that and you asking that question shows that you're committed to it, at least assuming that you follow through on that. But here's the part of the question I love the most, and that is that the fact that you're actually asking your people, how can I support you to do your best work of your life, forces the people who you work for to get out of a victim role and to get part of the participative role and say, I'm proactively thinking about how the organization can support me to do better work. Right. Maybe it's through personal development and going to an AMA workshop. Sure. Maybe it's instead of doing the annual review that many companies do, I'd like a quarterly review. Could sure. we do a quarterly sure. uh, sit down? You? Could you help me understand how to learn these collection of things that I've, I've always wanted to learn, but I don't understand them. So that question is not just a question that helps show support. It's a question to actually create some sense of agency sure. in the people who work for you, such that they can craft the workplace that makes them feel like they can do great work. We've been speaking to Chip Conley. His book, Wisdom at Work, The Making of a Modern Elder, is terrific. you got to check it out. Chip, best of luck with the book. Thank you. It's so great to be here. And thanks for the great work that AMA does. Follow American Management Association on Twitter to learn more about upcoming free programs, the latest news, management insights, and special offers. You can follow us at A-M-A-N-E-T. That's A-M-A-N-E-T. Hope to tweet to you real soon. We take feedback very seriously here at the AMA. If you get a minute, you have some thoughts about this program or additional questions, just send an email to us at podcasts at amanet.org. 